Hey, buddy. You there? Yeah, what's up? It is. I'm good internet, but still we got problems. Thank you for bearing with us. We are live. Graham, we had a lot of uh, stuff happen over the weekend. Georgia won. That was probably the least eventful thing we had happened. Uh, Florida lost, and they've uh, canned their coach, your boy Mullen. Yep. What do you think about that? Uh, I told you so. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I think there it is, Graham. There it is. March uh, 21st. March 21st. The more I think about and discuss it with folks here, the more I wouldn't be shocked if Dan Mullen is fired in one to two seasons. Uh, take a victory lap, my friend. I mean, I've been in fairness, I've been taking victory laps on Twitter for a few weeks now. <laughs> um, but I think with Mullen, right, like there was always clearly some indicators of culture problems and that team not playing very hard for him at times. Um, that LSU game last year really felt like a harbinger of things to come. And then my thing was like, I took the dude at face value, which no one else did. There was a lot of people that were out there ranking him as a better coach than Kirby Smart last offseason, but he literally said at the podium after the sugar or the cotton bowl last year when he lost by 35 to Oklahoma and said, this was the first game for the 2021 team. So I was like, well, that tells me the 2021 team is not going to be very good. And they weren't. Um, but I, I think with Mullen, you like his, his own arrogance finally caught up to him. Um, if you're winning 10 games and going into your six bowls, you can dress up like Darth Vader and you can be kind of lax when it comes to accountability for your program. You can get away with poor recruiting classes, but when you're below 500 in November and you've got the head coach at Missouri mocking you in his press conference, then all of the stuff that's been going on kind of, isn't it, it's not funny anymore, right? Like people are tired of it. So I think with Dan, he's still a really good play caller. I think that that's not something I would argue against. Uh, he's talented when it comes to, to certain aspects of calling an offense, but his offense of dual threat, the one that he went back to this year after being more spread passing kind of air raid concepts with Kyle Trask in 2020, the book is out on it. He's been in the SEC for 15 years and Kirby Smart and a lot of other people, they know how to stop it. And so wherever he goes from here, I think he will have to reinvent himself a little bit because his his dual threat type of deal, like unless you land another Dak Prescott, it's not going to work super well. Yeah, you know, a lot was made of what, we look at the Bill Connolly returning production and we kind of talk about it. And you, you know, you've, you're skeptical about just looking at a simplistic number like that. It doesn't always factor in. There's some things that he does and he weights them differently and, and things, but it just, you know, Georgia is going to have to replace almost 70% of its defense and, and Florida is going to have to replace, you know, close to that on its offense. And what Kirby did was make one of the best defenses in the playoff era out of, you know, with a bunch of new faces and, and younger players and um, even though, you know, Emory Jones was touted as possibly a Heisman candidate, the offense 
you know, I mean, he talked about it's been a running joke, you know, his, he put up yards, but it just, it, you know, you didn't have to watch a whole lot of Florida tape to figure out it's not the same offense. They were down a half a yard per play offensively, but it just didn't translate into any kind of offense that was that that was going to compete for a title in the SEC. So I think that speaks to what he is. He's a good offensive coach, but, you know, uh, he's not necessarily the guy that you want to head up your program. And I've, you know, uh, there's been a lot of coaches like that, 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 that are hot names and things like that. But, um, and, you know, Kirby was an unknown commodity as a head coach when he came in, but he, from this, from the jump, he was a guy that looked like you wanted to be the face of your program. And I know that's a total Homer take, but it is, that's how I feel. Like I would not have wanted Dan Mullen. I would not have wanted Ed Ogeron. Um, I would not have wanted some of the other, you know, Kirby's the man. And I, and, and now Florida's going to be looking for their next, you know, like this is going to be their third coach in a decade. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think the other thing, I wrote a big thread on Twitter last night before this news ever broke about him being fired because there was a part of me that understood if Florida didn't fire Dan Mullen because A, they're out $12 million, but B, with LSU and USC open and, you know, Virginia Tech is a job that is sought after in, in certain circles. Like, I just, I don't know that they're going to, there's not really an obvious choice out there right now for Florida. And that's a university that, you know, there's three top 50 public universities in the sec. They're, they're Vanderbilt, Florida, and Georgia. And, uh, or I'm sorry, top 50 universities in general, but Florida is now a top five public university and the administration there, like football is not the front porch of the university the way that it once was. Right. And I think that they would just assume go eight and four every year as they would have the embarrassment that they had during the urban Meyer era with the off field issues. So I, I don't know that there's the win at all costs attitude internally at Florida anymore, but that fan base, like they got used to Spurrier and Meyer and ironically they ran both of them out of town because of the amount of pressure that existed to win and win big and win at all costs. But I think that with Meyer and, and Spurrier, like it was a different era at Florida and there was a little more backing behind it. And I just, I don't know that Florida is willing to get into a bidding war with LSU or even USC over a head coach. And so moving forward, who do they get? I don't know. Cause like, if you're a coach, you got to go down there and recruit against not just FSU and Miami, but you also have to recruit against Georgia and Alabama and everyone comes into Florida and gets players nowadays. Georgia's not going anywhere. Like you're two to three years from being truly competitive against Georgia, even if everything goes right. And then LSU is open. You could go there and you don't have any in-state recruiting competition at a, at a P five level. So good luck to them on hiring someone else. I mean, I think that there's got to be a better cultural fit just because like Mullen's arrogance was pretty, you know, out front. And there was a lot of things that he did that embarrassed the school from a PR standpoint. But I know a lot of their fans are like, let's go get Lane Kiffin. I don't know that their administration wants a guy like Lane Kiffin after going through Dan Mullen. It's not because he's not a good football coach. And he has reformed himself in some ways, but is that the face? Is that someone you want outwardly facing in a big leadership position, one of the highest paid public public employees in the entire state at a top five public academic institution? 
I don't think so. Yeah, and I think he's going to be a tough guy to get. You know, not he's just one year in Ole Miss or, or two years in Ole Miss, and, and it. But it, here's one of the things. But I don't know if you want to wrap it up on Mullen. But one of the things that I was going to pivot to is you know the the recruiting is, I they're going to want a recruiter, you know, and I, you know, and some guys want to play for for Lane Kiffin, but I just don't think Lane Kiffin necessarily. I mean, he's cherry picking guys to fill in around, you know, where he, with the scraps he gets over there in the SEC West. I don't think he's got the the grind in him to compete against, uh, specifically Kirby Smart, and you know, to lock in some of that talent. You you talked about it in your in your you know tweet that it's a it's a it's a lot harder place to recruit. Uh, you've got every school in the country is in there, so it, they're going to want to the the fan base is going to want a recruiter. I don't know if Ole Miss is. I mean, if Lane Kiffin is that guy, but I don't either. Um, you know, but like I've seen like Matt Campbell thrown around, or you know, like that's a horrible cultural fit at a place like Florida. That guy is as Midwestern as sunflowers and corn. Like he's not, yeah, gonna no. come down there and you know get it culturally. And I think that that's what I mean. Like Sam Pittman to me is perfect proof positive that anybody you hire has to be a cultural fit first and foremost. Shane Beamer, another good example of that, right? Like um, you look at new coaches who are succeeding and it's their cultural fits. And I think Florida's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a tough, tough one of who is, who's a natural fit down there. Yeah. I mean, Mario Cristobal, I mean, I know that he's sort of kind of penciled in as the, the, the guy in Miami wants, but I think he, he's, you know, he's got ties to Florida and he definitely is a recruiter. So, and it certainly has, that would be a big get for them. I have no idea if that's a, it's a real possibility, but certainly that's a name I hear for a lot of the other jobs. Now that Florida's open, I'm sure they're going to talk about him. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of recruiting, uh, Georgia got a fun, yet another five-star player in Jaheim Singletary, who was a commit to Ohio state, uh, decommitted back in August and, 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 made his commitment today to, to, we got to go dogs tweet from coach. Yep. Uh, can you, uh, can you fill me in or everybody in on a little singletary or am I putting you on the spot? No, I mean, I've, I've watched some film on him in the past. Uh, he's kind of another Ringo man. I mean, a big, tall, lanky defensive back. Um, I'm pretty sure some services have him as the number one defensive back in this class. Um, I think 24 seven does. Let me see real quick, but yeah, I mean, six, two long athletic. I'm sorry. He's, he's the number 18 player overall, number five defensive back in the class. But I mean, he's, he's a stud. I mean, like there's no question about it. He is everything that you want a modern cornerback to be. He is fast. He has really good hips. Uh, there's a willingness there for him to come up and help and run support. Like he hits people with aggression there is no Deion Sanders kind of tackling happening here. And he's just long as hell, man. That ape index is huge. And that's what you want. He can go and fight off jump balls, but he's got the speed to hold down, uh, you know, a guy like a like a, a Smith or a, a Mechie or, you know, some of those types of speed receivers. So the, the defensive back class that Kirby is assembling – very well could go down as the greatest we've ever seen in the modern recruiting era when it's all said and done. 
Yeah, and he got it right in the uh, backyard of Jacksonville, Georgia. Um, it's true, <laughs> Duval. Uh, no, I mean it's it's you know it's it's unbelievable how well Georgia is rolling right now on all fronts. Um, and what we might as well talk about some Georgia. Um, the with Alabama's victory against Arkansas, it's locked in. We're going to face Alabama, and I think. Um, you know, you go back and forth on this as a fan, you're like, but you kind of want to go through Bama, you know, you, I, it, I think number one, we're the better team. They're both excellent teams, but you want to, I feel like this is a chance to exercise some demons for us. Uh, I'm sure Kirby doesn't approach it that way. He's just looking at the team across the, the field and wants to beat him. No matter who, who matter, no matter who I think is. he wants to be Bama though. I mean, I think that, I don't know. I, I mean, I could like, I, I don't know Kirby. He's certainly not going to. He's he's certainly not going to admit it. No, of course not. But like he was there for a decade, you know, or almost a decade. Like he wants to go through the, you know, his old boss. Like that. You want that moment, kind of of like the the upstart taking over from the established uh, dominant player in the the league, right? Like you want the the 09 Bama over, you know, Florida, the Tebow cry game. Like you want that, that moment. If you're a Georgia fan, we're going to get into that, this game, obviously a lot in the next two weeks, but I did run, did post a story today on dog sports. We're going to show a few of those graphics. So if you're want to go look at some of the preliminary matchups and stats and trends I've got, but you know, Georgia's um, better than them on offense and better than them on defense. Um, you know, the only, Sick. Say it louder. Yeah. I mean, they're close on offense. I mean, it's literally, I think, a, th- uh, a hundredth of a, a yard per playoff, if you're looking at that. But certainly, we, we, yeah, we take it. We've got, you know, 49.5% success rate on offense, which is, I mean, it's getting better every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the explosiveness is the only area that Georgia is a little, little lacking. We're certainly middle of the pack in FBS um, in that explosiveness rating. But um, it, Speaking of explosiveness, I kind of got into it. It's kind of interesting. It was basically to remind everybody, explosiveness is just the EPA of your successful plays. How good are your successful plays? Um, Georgia is averaging 30, over, just over 30 successful plays a game. Alabama is averaging 35. Um, and those actually average out to, if you divide the total points scored, I didn't break it down by defensive, you know, to I just, just lump some points. It almost matches uh, the explosiveness rating and stuff. So, I mean, those that, that if you think of that explosiveness as a chance to make points. So, Georgia needs a few more plays to outscore them, but on the d- defensively, um, it is Georgia's lights out explosiveness allowed on defense. I mean, it takes tw- almost two and a half times per successful play for an uh, offense to score on Georgia's defense as it does to Alabama's. So, um, that defense is, is, really really good i mean wisconsin's having a great year they've got some stats that are better than georgia's but this defense is absolutely i mean it's redundant to say it's elite but it is it's quite special and how tough it is to score on them um and that certainly is more than enough to offset a slight offensive explosiveness or offensive you know efficiency that georgia may or may not even have against alabama because as you can see georgia can score i don't know if you want to describe that offensive score at will but it certainly is pretty damn efficient when it comes to moving the ball um, down the field and putting points on the board. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Georgia's defense too, is uh, what's going to be fascinating about this matchup, just kind of looking at from a preliminary standpoint is Georgia's defense doesn't let people score from far away. You know, um, 
you could have an explosive passing game uh, play occasionally on Georgia, but like you're you're getting tackled at the 15. You're not running that in. And then it's just absolutely hellacious to try and score in the red zone against that defense when the field strength uh, shrinks down. So I think that's, you know, the, the interesting thing about this game, like can Georgia get enough heat on Bryce young to keep those long downfield routes from developing and can Georgia keep Bama's wide receivers from getting over the top when they aren't, getting home on a particular passing down, because if so, I, I think it's going to be really hard for anybody, anybody at all to just drive the field on Georgia and get first down after first down and then come into the red zone and score touchdowns consistently. I think that you can go and score field goals on, on Georgia. You know, I think that you can do that quite a bit, but um, like, I, I just, I, I think I, that's it. I put a stat last, last week that went, they got seen by a lot of folks and are, you know, but it's still astounding to me. And it, and I kind of stumbled into it uh, by accident. I was just thinking of just sheer number of plays that Georgia was, was allowing on their, on their defending their side of the field. So I started there sorting it. And it turns out that Oklahoma state has a ridiculously low amount of plays inside their 25. But once I broke it down, you know, most offenses, most defenses inside the 25 are given up, uh, three of the good defenses, 2.9, 3.1. But Georgia was allowing 1.8 yards per play and a 25% success rate inside their 25, defending their 25. And it was like, I have 90 something plays. And, you know, you figure it's almost 30 of them were the game ending drives versus Kentucky and Tennessee. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. Like you just said, they, they are keeping the ball in front of them. They're not giving plays up over the top. Um, I mean, really, the only – Georgia has won the offensive explosiveness battle uh, in, set, uh, in eight of their 11 games. The only ones they didn't were South Carolina, where a couple of those plays got out. You know, But, again, you're, there's so few plays that they're giving up. They're allowing 19 successful plays per game um, on the defensive side. So that's, that's like, it. That's it, 19 a game. And, for instance, like I was, I was, yeah, 19. In, in Arkansas, they allowed 19. Um, and then so if those, those plays like in the South Carolina game are bigger and some of the Auburn plays, actually Auburn, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt doesn't count. Vanderbilt had three, three successful plays the entire game. Boy, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the Arkansas game, like for instance, you know, you're watching this out, uh, Arkansas, Alabama game from Saturday and the, Alabama allowed 33 successful plays on defense and Georgia allowed Arkansas 19. So that tells you right there. I mean, there's going to be some more data points we get with Auburn. I don't know how much you can weigh into this, this Auburn game. I mean, they're pretty banged up. Bo Nix won't be playing, but yet it is another data point, but we can look at the Arkansas game. We can look at the Florida game and you can see that Georgia played a lot better against those teams than than Alabama did. No, 100%. And I mean, I think that the thing about, like, I think in modern college football, if you can make an offense predictable, you have the advantage and Alabama couldn't run the ball very effectively against a three-man front versus Arkansas yesterday. You know, they were right about four yards a carry and they had, you know, 30 something carries. They didn't just abandon the run, but like if you're not able to run against Arkansas's three-man front, you're not going to run Georgia out of their base defense. And if you can't run Georgia out of their base defense, then that means you can't pull them out of two high safety looks. That means that Georgia can bracket Williamson. They can do different things. Um, there's a lot there. And I mean, like looking, like looking at that game yesterday, I do think there were a few things that we can like pull out of it nugget wise that are 
useful or valuable pieces of information for how Georgia and Alabama will match up and how Georgia will have to adjust and do certain things in that game. Um, just because there are some things that are working really well that are new. And there's some things that have been going on for a while that aren't working that need to be fixed before December 4th. But um, yeah, you talked, you talked about in your 15 takeaways um, and you talked about the star position and, you know, that is in, and how well Christopher Smith came in and played in the Tennessee or came in pretty early in the Tennessee game and, and third drive. Yeah. Or fourth yeah. drive. I'm sorry. And, and Brini, you know, is, is possibly, you know, is, he may not be the best guy for that, um, for that position, you know, and Christopher Smith might, might get it. So I don't know what that, I mean, I mean, just, again, it shows you how important depth is both recruiting and, and coaching wise to have these guys that can come in and play these two positions and have somebody that can fill their spot. Totally. I mean, I think Brenny played better yesterday, um, but he's still the guy. I mean, like even an FCS team looked at Georgia's tape and said, that's, that's where we need to go. Like, that's the guy that we need to target. They targeted him six times and we all know the defense did, did not play very many drives yesterday. Um, they targeted him six times to his credit. He only gave up one catch. He did have a defensive holding penalty. Um, and then he did have two pass breakups. So it's like he, he played better. It was an FCS opponent. But you love what he can do against the run. Um, but looking at Jamison Williams, like he's taken about 25% to a third of his snaps every week in the slot. And I think Williamson on Brenny is probably a mismatch. That's not going to go well for Georgia. But you move Christopher Smith down into some of those obvious passing downs that is at your advantage. So I'm fascinated to see what goes on there. Um, I mean, the other thing too, is like the, the solution that Georgia has come up with without Adam Anderson, I think is going to be very effective for a potential matchup against Alabama because on, on third down situations and obvious passing situations, they're, you know, they're, a, you have Christopher Smith at star, but then you've got all three inside linebackers, Dean, Tyndall, and Walker on the field. I mean, Channing Tyndall right now, man, when he rushes the passer, it's absurd. Like, they weren't asking him to rush the passer very much this year. The most he rushed the passer in any game was six times versus Auburn before last week against Tennessee. He rushed the passer 11 times against Tennessee and 11 times against Charleston Southern in those 22 snaps, he's got five sacks, seven pressures. That's absurd productivity. And then you also can bring Dean down to that edge or you can bring Quay down to that edge. So I think that, like, Georgia is probably at its best with Smith at star and all three inside linebackers on the field because it creates problems from a coverage standpoint. It creates problems from a pass rush standpoint. We know that Dean, Quay, and Tyndall – can cover running backs and tight ends in the passing game. Like, I think that's the package. You know, I know you can't just run that package over and over, but on big downs, on crucial downs, on third downs against Alabama, that's what you want on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Kirby talked about in the preseason, you know, and I think I'll, he may not have gotten a whole lot of reps on there, but, you know, he talked about when you're a linebacker, you're a star, and when you're a star, you're a linebacker. You got to True, yeah. Up. You got to come up and and you got to be able to cover and you got to be able to tackle and you got to be able to to rush the passer. So uh, it's 
God, I mean, just it's it's incredible to have. I mean, Tyndall's Tyndall's just come out of nowhere. At least in my, I mean, I know you probably were aware of him, but he's certainly become a star this year, and uh, and certainly one of the, a lot of dog fans' favorite players, just in terms of what he brings and energy and and the plays he's making. I mean, yeah, he's coming. You know, he's at that inside linebacker spot, and he's lined up over here. You know. Kobe or Quay is lined up here. The running plays coming to this side, and he's still scraping around and filling and meeting the running back on the far side of the the line before they can get the edge. That's absurd. Like that shouldn't even be possible, really. Um, yeah, I mean the other, the other thing though about yesterday in that game that worried me uh, is Warren Erickson went back to the starting right guard spot and. I, I don't get it, man. I just don't like Xavier trust came in, in Knoxville after the second drive, a drive that was killed by Warren Erickson for the record, um, gave up a sack and gave up a, a free runner to the running back for a four yard loss. And trust had a couple, you know, a couple rookie mistakes in the first drive or two, but after that he settled in and Georgia was able to run like split zone and zone power and some of these concepts that we've been talking all year about, if Georgia can do those things at five, seven, eight yards a clip, this team becomes pretty unstoppable. And they were just punishing Tennessee on the ground in the second half. He was finding his assignments with way more consistency than Erickson has at any point all year. And then yesterday, Erickson, he's playing right guard. He gives up the only pressure of the day. He gives up the only hit on the quarterback of the day to a below 500 FCS team. When Georgia ran behind him, five carries for 11 yards against an FCS team. Like, if you can't bully around FCS defensive linemen, then you should not be starting at guard for the University of Georgia. I'm sorry. I know that, like, he's a great kid, I'm sure. He worked his butt off last year. He played really hard. I know that he has that experience from 2020. And I thought he played a lot better in 2020 than he has in 2021. But, like, this isn't working. And it's going to cost Georgia a game at some point if they don't adjust and do something about it. Yeah, Monken can scheme away from weaknesses and towards strengths. But you that in, you got to have solid offensive line play, if, if not excellent <laughs> offensive line play, because Will, Will Anderson is uh, coming. <laughs> yeah he's out there and i mean i think it's it's also like some of these busts they're not happening on some complicated disguise blitz or some crazy stunt like these are just routine pickups you know you need to grab the man across from you or there's a slight delay of a linebacker coming through the hole and he's engaged double team with van pran to his left or mcclendon to his right but like these are things that'll kill a passing game. You know, these are yeah. things that'll, that'll kill a two minute drive when you really need it at the end of a half or an end of a game. Um, these are how quarterbacks get stripped and, you know, fumbles and turnovers happen. So like, I know Xavier trust struggled at tackle against Cincinnati in the bowl game. And we were pretty vocal about that when we watched that tape, but Tackle and guard are two very different positions, and his body type fits guard much, much better. He's also just much more of a physical specimen than Erickson is at, at a guard. You know, I mean, like he's an imposing guy, and 
Georgia gets pushed behind them, and you need push in the run game. And if Georgia, you know, can get push in the run game against Alabama, I think it's going to be really hard for them to lose that game. I do. Um, so they need to figure it out, man. They need to they need to make the switch and go with it because it's one of those things that uh, I fear they're not going to do it until it's too late, and it's going to cost them a chance at winning an SEC title. Yeah, I mean, it appears now that that Georgia's you know short of a disaster against Georgia Tech, a lock. I don't see how they they're not in. So you want to beat Bama, but uh, they they've got plenty of time to to get you know trusts or or and I don't think you can expect a dramatic change in in Erickson at this point. So we got some time, but definitely we we want to win two weeks, yeah. um, and we want to win this Saturday. Uh, but a couple things. What, you, did you have a favorite moment from the game versus Charleston Southern? That I mean, besides Jordan Davis. Besides Jordan Davis, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really liked what Mockin's doing with Bowers. I guess it's a few moments collectively, but that end around. He's so I, fast. I think at some point we might see, like, and maybe in two weeks in Atlanta or sometime in January. I think we might see him throw a pass off that end around at some point because he was a high school quarterback, but he's wide receiver one. It seems like, I mean, they threw three screens to him yesterday and uh, he went for two first downs and a touchdown on those three screens. Like he's just stupidly productive, man. And I think that uh, it's just fun watching him play. And as a Georgia fan, it's pretty awesome to know that you have another two seasons of him. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. And, yeah. and 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 Darnell, we have another season of Darnell. Uh, Maybe if he doesn't transfer out for the lack of targets that he's getting. Oh, man. That's that's <laughs> the word on the street. Oh, God. All right, well. We'll see. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I, I, I wouldn't fault him. But um, uh, my favorite moment actually happened before the game. Uh, number one, dressed out. And, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he comes back for Georgia Tech, um, you know, but it, it's pretty encouraging. And you know what we've talked about all along was it wasn't a, you know, as ACL injuries go, it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. And you know the timeline had him available for a playoff run, and here we are, going into a playoff run, and he's been there. As I understand, he's been going to classes, going to practice, and yeah. you know every time he was asked, Kirby said he was doing the right thing in terms of rehab and getting ready so um any 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 tidbits you can share that we don't know um by reading twitter and stuff oh i don't have any i mean i don't have any inside info there what's your Um, gut what's your gut saying my gut says he plays next week yeah mine mine too i think that they want him to like i don't know that I don't know, you know, that he's going to, like, come back and all of a sudden just start creating a bunch of explosive passing plays. It doesn't normally work that way. But I think that if you can just have him on the field, even as a decoy against Alabama, that it helps you in a lot of ways. It's pretty it's pretty exciting. I mean, and, you know, it'd be kind of fun to see him. Is that kid that, that he got into the scuffle with last time we were in Atlanta still on, still playing? What's that? Is that is what is it? Swilling? Yeah, swilling. Like, yeah, something like that. I don't know, man, but yeah, God, Georgia Tech is awful. Yeah, uh, they are bad. Uh, you know, back in I think it was 2018. I can't remember exactly where I was. I was at a family uh, at a 
at some family's house, house in Pensacola when the opening of the new locker room came and just, you know, the, the recruits just came flooding in. I just remember thinking scorched earth of head coaches. I just wanted to see go down. And then, and Grammy, Jeff, Jeff Collins was not one of the guys I had on that list, but here we are, you know, you know, Malzahn gone, Mullen gone, Orgeron, we didn't get a chance to knock him out, but he's gone. And, you know, Kurt, and here we got Jeff Collins. We have a chance to possibly, you know, I, I don't know if he can survive. Georgia Tech's not going into this market, I don't think. But still, we can send him into 2022 without scoring a point after November 13th. Ooh, uh, yeah, that's a good stat. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, you got, you got shut out versus Notre Dame, and and the the last points were early in the third quarter against Boston College. So, yeah, yeah. So they could go the final two plus nine, games nine quarters of the yeah. season without points because we know they're not going to a bowl game folks that doesn't happen when you win three um yeah swilling is still there he is a uh, red shirt junior now so um i'm sure that george and trey will look forward to seeing each other on saturday at warm-ups but yeah i mean the whole georgia tech thing i do think that uh, Collins has a seven-year contract, which, like, you know, that's a – I guess Jimmy Sexton remains undefeated, right? But <laughs> it, it's tough with the switching from the the, uh, the option. You know, I mean, like, I don't know that you can really blame him for being this bad, but who did they – there was a game they won this year where I was like, oh, maybe they're starting to figure it out and turn it yeah. around. Yeah, they, um, they 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 were in it till the very very end versus Clemson. Uh, did they and they beat Virginia Tech? They beat the shit out of UNC. Yeah, they beat UNC by like twenty three points, and I thought then. Yeah, I mean, and, okay. I mean they've been banged up um, too. So I, I mean, again, I don't think that Georgia Tech is going to cut them loose this year. But um, you know, it's it's always fun to hear these guys talk, and we're eleven and zero going on twelve and zero. It feels pretty effing good. Well, I mean, yeah, I I don't live in the state of Georgia anymore. So at Georgia Tech, honestly, I don't think about them except for this one week a year just because, you know, occasionally I bet against them, but that's about it. But <laughs> um, I know, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I, I lived through the Jim Donnan era, you know, I, like I, I was there watching them hit last second field goals. I was at the 2008 Georgia-Georgia Tech game when they honored Munson and Georgia Tech won. Um, so, I mean, I, I know how bad it feels when Georgia loses to, loses to them, you know, like when Georgia is losing to Georgia tech, especially in this day and age, it feels like the earth is slightly off kilter on its axis and, uh, doesn't feel like it, it, it feels like it's going to be a long time before that's a legit possibility again, but you know, my, my, yeah. my, my thing about tech is, I mean, I have a soft spot in for my brother went there. My dirty little secret is my son's a tech fan. Uh, don't tell people that. <laughs> but no but i've always thought that if georgia tech were competing for you know in the acc i thought it was good for georgia because there's so much talent and is and the where kirby is recruiting and the players he's getting from all over the country it's nice it would be nice to have georgia tech get a four star or you know one of these one of these players and sneak one or two away from tennessee or auburn or south carolina and stuff so i could see that yeah but right now they're they've got a long way to go from that, and that's just a weird random thought about Georgia Tech recruiting that we just had on Dog Sports. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's the the reality though is like I don't remember the last time Georgia Tech 
won a recruiting battle against Georgia for somebody that Georgia actually wanted. Like it goes back years. I mean, even, even at the end of the Rick era, when things were pretty bad in recruiting, you know, they were under Johnson with the triple option. So they yeah, didn't I don't really recruit the same style. I mean, like Calvin Johnson, I, don't get really me wrong. Like, I don't, you know, I, there, the only I, dude pops I, out in my head where I'm like, Georgia really wanted that guy and Georgia tech got him. And that it, was forever ago. Yeah. I just want him to beat Auburn and Tennessee on players. I don't want him to beat us. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm fine, like, I mean, everyone comes into Georgia now, so yeah, I know what you're saying, but all right, man. Well, ha- we're uh, holiday week is here. Uh, yeah, we're doing What's a your- Sunday night show. We- we've been bouncing all over the place. I know that you're you were extremely busy last week. I've been busy this whole fall, so we appreciate you guys bouncing around with us on the schedule. I think we're gonna totally. try to do something either Friday or Saturday this week, talking about the game, and then come next week, we're throwing everything we got at the uh, Alabama game. So full bore preview content um, for sure. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll come back and do some, some picks or something before Thanksgiving or uh, if you guys aren't following me on Twitter, I had a really good gambling week. So you might want to do that. I'm starting to, I'm starting to get hot again. I went eight and one yesterday. So nice. Come, come get the picks. Uh, so if, he is dog out west on Twitter. I am dog underscore stats on Twitter. Both of us are on dogsports.com. I just dropped a piece today about some of these graphs you've been seeing a, a quick preliminary about where we are metrics wise versus Alabama and all that sort of stuff. So please click on that, share us with your friends, leave us reviews, uh, and tune in because we'll be back very soon. Graham with that, you got anything else you want to add to us before we get out of here? Well, uh, if we don't see you before, everyone have a really happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy all the good food. And more importantly than you guys enjoying your Thanksgiving, make sure you wish Mr. Josh Hancher a happy birthday because it is today. (laughs) And uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your birthday to do this show with me. And I'm sure a lot of people watching it and listening to it will appreciate it as well. I'm rocking uh, rocking a birthday sweat quarter zip and a birthday hat. So, I was saying, I was, I was wondering where the hat came from. Yeah, um, I noticed you're not wearing the other ones ever since that that letter showed up in the mail. But, <laughs> no, um, no, no I, I'm still allowed to wear them, and we're working, really, <laughs> we're working hard on that. I've gotten so many people asking about it, and uh, I am working very hard. Um, I've got a a untrademarked design that maybe will be ready for. Nice. I don't think it's gonna be ready for the Alabama game, but it might be ready for the bowl run. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be a legit trucker hat with patches, and then we're also efforting possibly a legitimately uh game style hat so uh we're we're doing what we can yeah wow nice it's it's gonna be expensive (laughs) but we might do it um well yeah no but uh yeah thank you for for all that you do to to make our show run and make sure people see us and all the all the awesome stats and everything um super appreciate you and all the effort that you put into what we do wouldn't be wouldn't be us without you. So um, happy birthday. And, you know, just, I don't know. I wish you all the best, man. All right. That's awesome, Graham. I appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And with that, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving and go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>